Welcome to We Can Edit That Out, season two. Well, thank you. Episode five? Four. No. Yeah. No, it's episode five. Uh, yeah, as you like. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to We Can Edit That Out, season two, episode five. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Oh, uh, you were talking to the viewers. Yeah. Or, well, hey, we got viewers now because we're, we're like, look at this. Can it, can it, can we do movie magic? <laughs> this is a faces only podcast can love. Yeah, part two. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit buzzed already from 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 dinner and drinking at the park all day. So um, this should be fun. Yeah, a wild ride. We'll see how this. Hey, goes. we we see. What, this one has not been scripted at all. Not that we scripted any of our others out. So. We had like a blueprint. We never really blueprint. scripted anything. So hey, much. maybe we can post those sometimes do you still have our old like like uh outlines i have some of them i don't think i have all of them uh, that'd be kind of rad to post you know yeah. hey if you want to see him let us know <laughs> i'm practicing freeze frames you know at the end of movies where they go yeah and they just hold it you know and and then you see somebody do something like okay i can't hold this anymore you know what i mean mentos fresh and for your life <laughs> and somebody goes oh and it's still freezing uh so spe- speaking speaking of freeze frames mm. wow that's a photograph isn't it not a bad Ooh, interesting not a bad not a bad <laughs> thank thank you not <laughs> okay yeah this one's gonna get real ridiculous but we'll be interested because we're talking about a serious subject photography I mean, photography doesn't always have to what be What was it? <laughs> Good question. It's that thing everyone has AI do for them now. So speaking of daguerreotypes, <laughs> hey, a lot of people don't know that uh, photography was originally called a daguerreotype. Mm-hmm. Who was the first president to smile in a portrait? I don't know this. I don't either. But that was the thing. They couldn't smile because you had to sit long enough for the exposure. Right. You that's know? why everyone so you looks, had to hold it. Yeah. That's why everyone looks so serious in like the early photos. Yeah, the old timey ones, because you had to hold that face. And it's yeah. hard to hold this face forever. <laughs> Would you quit just laughing at me and say something? <laughs> We're talking about daguerreotypes. I'm just just letting you let your freak flag fly. Then. Factor fiction. What is a photograph? Have you ever sent a girl a dick pic? No. Fuck no. Neither have I. I think it's weird. Why have people do? Maybe that's why people listen to us because we're really not the dick pic type of guys, you know. I I I I don't think I'd listen to a podcast made by a guy who sends dick pics. It'd be like you're just a fucking like a uh, weird person who has no value to society. The idea of sending like an unsolicited one to me is just pure insanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. So, um. That is where photography has uh, evolved into in the last 2,000 years since it was invented. Where did it come from? 
Well, I don't think photography's been around for 2,000 years. I think it's still a pretty... My best guess. <laughs> I think it's a pretty new technology still. Don't split hairs with me. This is my best guess. I want to pinpoint the beginnings of photography somewhere around 1830, something like that, 1840. BC? <laughs> AD, for sure. So I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> 18, 18, 1830s, it sounds about right to me. That's yeah. about, that's, I mean, the, the thing, the photography, photographs used to be called daguerreotypes because the guy who invented kind of the original pin box system to get exposures onto a colloidal plate, I think, his last name was Daguerre because he's a French right. dude. So, Which is French for danger. Sure. Um, and he'd walk around saying, my last name is danger. <laughs> uh -huh. I told you this is gonna be a fucking interesting one. Yeah. So 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 so. Uh, you had like a pinpoint uh, 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 thing that made it upside down on your exposure plate, and then and then you'd have to had to the light exposed for a long fucking time, like twelve hours or some shit. You know, like we talked about before, like mm. how people wouldn't smile. But like the original one, the very first photograph. Daguerreotype was of the Paris, uh, a street corner in Paris. Hmm, interesting. And you don't really see much moving in it because the uh, exposure aperture or whatever the fuck was open so long that nothing else could be captured in it besides the buildings. Okay. So it looks like a desolate street. Interesting. That's kind of cool. That's like the first... Uh, These are things I learned today. Slow, slow exposure... I went I went into a toilet and read that on a wall somewhere like yesterday or today. I'll bet. Are you sure it was I'm a like, toilet? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna sound so smart on the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> but the the thing that I thought would be interesting for us to uh discuss is, is since you're a photographer and I uh work with like brushes and pencils and occasionally a tattoo needle, but let's just leave that part out. Let's just talk about like like the the finer points of art to fuck now everybody's gonna give me shit like oh you don't think tattooing is a finer point of art for the sake of discussion let's just talk about painting drawing and photography as and sculpture as the three four main elements of fine art okay and music tattooing interpretive dance can all be pushed aside for a further episode so suspension of disbelief this is just what we're dealing with in this episode. sure we're just talking about visual Visual construct. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Interesting thing to me is that when photography was developed, it kind of made painting obsolete mm. in, a, in a fashion because before the photograph, people were having portraits painted. Yeah. And people were having actual things that happened recreated in paintings, like like uh, the Battle of Waterloo, for instance. You know, nobody had a camera there, so some guy painted it. You know, and then once you had a camera, it was like, why the fuck would you paint it when you can just take a picture? You know. I mean, it's interesting because yeah, painting really did have its origin as you know more of a functional societal need. Yeah, that was your recording device in the old days. Was was a, a, a either either a pencil and a piece of paper or a fucking brush and a canvas. What I've always been curious about a bit is how much of the camera's invention, the onset of photography, affect the direction of where painting went. 
because I think right around the same time that you have photography enter the scene, and I would say it took photography probably maybe 30, 40 years to really become kind of a more mainstream, accessible thing to the general public. Actually, maybe even more than that, really. Right. Showing up in the 1800s, kind of carrying over into the turn of the century. Did painting then become more artistic and more expressive in general because yeah. there, well, you had a bunch of painters who didn't know what they're supposed to do with their time anymore? Or? I mean, that's exactly when you see the rise of Impressionism in, in, in Paris is, is right around the invention of the camera. Yeah. Because the uh, painters were like, well, what the, what the fuck do we do now? You know? And it was like, okay, well, here's one thing photography can't do. It can't express our feelings. Mm. So we'll just hold, we'll hold your judgment on that statement. Yeah, sure. Because I know, I know that's a loaded statement. But at the time, <clears throat> it was like, like the, the uh, photography doesn't capture our feelings. And I think uh, painting had to decide where it wanted to go, you know, and 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 that's when you uh, impressionism uh, was the beginning of modern art, and took all the different twists and turns that we uh, see today, where people are just you know slapping some brushes on canvas and calling it art, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, when did photography? decide that same thing of like no uh we are also art because we know that photography just started out as a recording device you know and you did have to have a little bit of money to have a camera back in the old days and a big fucking setup with the fucking you know the hood that the guy looked over and the, and the, and the flash stamp mm -hmm. okay one two three and but when i say three hold it for uh five minutes bam you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that was the thing. But then, then there was there was also a point where photography said, no, we want to be taken seriously as artists as well. We're not just recording uh, the present. We are also capturing the feeling of the the photographer and the, and the, and the, and the, 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 the subject as well. Sure. You know? I would say that's Ansel Adams and the development of the zone system. Okay, what is the zone system? Okay, so Ansel Adams, for those of you who are not familiar, is one of the pioneers of black and white photography. And he was using... Um, an but, 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 but there was always black and white photography, so when you say pioneers of black and white photography, I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're... Because about. he was the person who helped develop what we know is the zone system. Okay. And so what the zone system is, it's a way to kind of manipulate your exposure and your film mm -hmm. in order to extend the dynamic range of tonal value that you can get out of an image. Okay, so, so see, he was a pioneer of photography as an art, not photography in general. Both, actually. So was he was Ansel Adams really that early on in in, in... yeah nineteen twenty something like that I think oh fuck okay. yeah whoa, 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 and, you know, what's what's ironic is like I used to just think Ansel Adams was boring and I didn't really understand it but then I always when thought I, I hung out with him at parties and stuff oh, I thought he was be. like my age so the what <laughs> so what the zone system is yeah 
if you just use a camera as is black and white and you take a perfectly exposed picture, you're going to get somewhat of a limited range of contrast from absolute black to absolute white in an image on mm-hmm. your negative. So what Ansel Adams did is he realized that if you, while you're taking a photo, intentionally underexpose your image by a stop or two of, of light coming into the camera, and then when you take your film and you go into the darkroom and you develop it, you overcompensate for that by adding development time in the darkroom to your film. Okay, then you get a weird effect. Not a weird effect. You get a much stronger effect. You get a very dynamic photo that has a, a bigger range of, of uh, tonal value from absolute Bruh. black to absolute white. Okay, because I remember my photography class, the instructor said, uh, uh, err on the side of overexposure because at least you got it in there. No, that is absolutely wrong. Ah, yeah, it's, okay. it would be the opposite. Because like if you overexpose... underexposed, it's like under. You didn't get enough in there. It's under. Right, but the thing is with, with photography, you know, you always have to think about things in reverse. Like photography is you let light in through a hole in your camera... Uh that affects the film right okay and basically the dark values that you see in a photograph are actually going to be completely clear on your film right like you see in a negative exactly so it's not technically a negative it's the positive then we reverse the 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 positive to look like what we expect to see exactly so if you overexpose your image too much then you lose all of this information on your film and it's just gotcha. totally blown just black. out. Yeah. Okay, but okay, okay, but okay. if you underexpose your film, mm-hmm. you can oh. add time in developing your film to increase the amount of uh, these silver halide crystals that um, you know remain on the surface of the, the film substrate. Okay, okay. So Ansel Adams, to me, was the person who took a relatively mechanical perfunctory instrument and figured out how to manipulate it for a creative output. Okay. So, so Ansel Adams primarily took landscapes, but it's not just putting your camera randomly in front of the grand Canyon and hitting a shutter. He was also very focused on making a perfect composition oh. of that landscape so that when you look at the photo, you have a certain, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how you describe that. I mean, it, you look at any photo that has bad composition versus one that has good right, Your one. brain has a specific response to it that it's either pleasing in one sense, which is uh, maybe what somebody wants to do, or it's jarring which is also maybe something the artist wanted to do, you know? Exactly. Because it's like, oh, this is what you do to make a pleasing photograph, but uh, you don't always want to make it pleasing, you know? That's the thing about art. Sometimes it's bad on purpose. Yeah. The other complicated thing with photography is that prior to the invention of a handheld camera, you only really had these large format 8x10 and eventually 4x5 box cameras Uh. that you'd have to set up on a tripod, you couldn't just handhold it. You had to spend like 
an hour dialing in your exposure and setting up your your film and stuff it was much more difficult to capture the essence of a moment in real time because everything that you were mm. taking pictures yeah. of had to be so stationary and composed and i think that's why ansel adams spearheaded the landscape photography movement because that's actually the one thing that you could do legitimately with these cameras well know? that was kind of the interesting thing that i was thought about before we started recording was was uh, uh because we won when we walked into your apartment it was like still a little bit half drunk from from uh, uh dinner and we're like podcast 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 let's do podcast and then as we're setting everything up it's like podcast podcast and then we're setting up the cameras again now we're doing cameras and stuff it's like podcast podcast you know what i mean there's a lot of work that goes behind something that's supposed to be like a, a, a immediate true you know what i mean and and look like there is no effort involved you know like i always tell people i spent a good 20 minutes making it look like i don't give a fuck about my hair <laughs> Well, I mean, the th there's a lot of work that goes behind stuff that's not uh, supposed to look like there's no work involved. A lot know? of people don't realize, but if you look at something like a, a menu that was graphically designed or a beautiful photo or like a record sleeve and everything just looks totally effortless and simple and perfect, uh -huh. that actually probably took way more time than you would even imagine. Yeah. You know, the amount of time it goes into making something look effortless is insane i know we talked a lot about finland in the last episode or the episode before i can't remember where we're at even but uh i was in finland one time talking to this guy about uh getting a tattoo from me and the night before or two nights before something like that it doesn't matter uh i'd spent the entire fucking night working on dialing in an image from a photograph for a tattoo you know what i mean like like okay cool this is this is a good photograph but the amount of time i i mean i spent hours perfecting this photograph to make it from a photograph into something that doable you know and it doesn't look like it. it when i when i do a tattoo it just looks like oh cool you did a photograph and that's what this guy said he's like i don't want to get tattooed by you because all you do is reproduce photographs and there's no art involved in that and i almost slapped the guy in the face because i was like dude i fucking spent an entire fucking night just to me that's like a, a art form where i'm like caressing this photograph to become a, a a beautiful subject for a tattoo you know not even the talking about the tattoo maybe maybe i'm, I'm not the best tattoo artist in the world or, or or whatever you know but just the amount of time I spend on this photograph to me is that's art is when you like do the finessing mm -hmm. and then and the, like manipulation and then like I said caressing you know or, or maybe if you're from the 80s romancing the stone you know what yeah, I mean sure. so I was really upset when he when he told me that and but I I also see his point of course hey just reproducing a, a, a photograph to our photography it's like well we're coming back to the subject of today, you know, photograph, you're just reproducing something that already exists. Where's the art? But we went to Daido Moriyama. Correct. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Daido Moriyama. Daido Moriyama. Uh, amazing. Yeah, incredible uh, Japanese street photographer from Osaka, I believe. Uh. He was 
just like a pioneer in street photography, had a very iconic, heavy contrast, black and white style, would even do mixed media stuff where he takes pictures of like a TV screen and then blows it up and crops it out and blasts all the contrast out of, out of proportion. And Yeah, his manipulation of the image was just amazing to me. And you've seen everybody do like similar photographs to what he did, but he's one of the first people to do it. And, and a lot of people jumped onto that, but it was also exceptional the way he manipulation and cropping and every, all the adjustments that he does to it. It's like, yeah, anybody could have taken that, but he has an eye and a way of doing it. That he just sees how to make a compelling image. And the interesting thing was, we talked about this a little bit, but looking at all his stuff, I, I saw where Rainey uh, was super influenced to do all the uh, early discharge mm -hmm. uh, layout. For our punk viewers and yeah. listeners, it's like, if you want to know where uh, all the fucking discharge ideas came from, not not to take away anything from Rainey. He's a fucking genius. Yeah. You know, he really is. But... Uh, you can see super it. super influenced by Moriyama. You can totally super. see that in like the early like gauze layouts and uh -huh. you know Gizm artwork and stuff. Like yeah. uh, I know. So, oh right, some of those the the when they were showing the magazine because uh, because he did a lot of photography for magazines, you know, and they were showing some of the magazine layouts, and it's like that's like a fucking Gizm album cover. Yeah, right there. Haven't I seen? No, I haven't seen it. Just super influenced by it. I didn't really realize the impact he has made, but he was a super underground DIY kind of guy, you yeah. know. I was and I was reading all the all the little snippets about him, and it was always talking about how he was just a super DIY guy with a cult following, and I think that lent itself really well to punk rock, yeah, which is a cult cult subculture. I don't know that that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's, I think it works. I think that's a redundant way to say something. A cult subculture. Well, all subcultures are cults, and all cults are subcultures, more or less. Uh, yeah, true. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Okay, but okay, okay. going back to your original point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to take a drink of the bottle and realized I had a glass. Maybe we can leave that part in the in the. In the <laughs> that's definitely going. That's at least going. On all right. Media. Hey. Back to your original point, when does photography become an art form? And when right. and when is it not just recording? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of stuff at play. It's not just, you know, how you manipulate the image, how you adjust the amount of light coming in and out. I mean, these are all major factors because everything that you do with intent with photography brings you closer to making art with it. And I think it's this intent and this purpose of intent that is key in keeping photography a valid art form. Because otherwise, yeah, you are just going around and just holding a box in front of some stuff and clicking a button and, you know, look at your viewfinder. Oh, cool. I got a picture, you know. But if you look for the hidden architecture of composition in the world around you. Mm -hmm. If you can walk into a room and look at it from one perspective and then position yourself 45 degrees away from where you were standing and look at the same thing from another perspective and have a different interpretation or viewpoint of what you're looking at, this intent 
and this intentional composition work that you're doing through the viewfinder of your camera is what makes photography a worthy art form, in my opinion. I, I think I think you hit it spot on. Because I was just thinking about people like uh, Jackson Pollock and uh, Bosquia, or it's like like uh, Canny Paint or Canny Paint, Roscoe with his color fields, you know, Canny Paint or Canny Paint. That's not the point. It's the intent. Absolutely. You know? And and, and I, I, I know there's a lot of people who don't give a shit about art at all, you know, uh, so they've probably already stopped this episode by now, so we're not even talking to them. We're talking about the... These these people, maybe they could paint outside of what they they, they presented to the world, but their, their actual paintings look like people who couldn't even really fucking paint. Yeah. But there's the intent. And then you have the people who say, I don't give a shit about modern art because you have to read too much about it to understand it. And it's like, yeah, but that's kind of the point. And, and, and to, the, to the person who's not as interested in that, it's like, yeah, but why do I need to? And, and my response would be, you know, hey, if you don't like it, it ain't fucking art. If you do, then it is. If you want to get intellectual about something and appreciate it on an intellectual level and find the art in it, fuck, cool for you. If you don't, you just want to look at it and judge it by what it does to you, by uh, just your straight-up visual reaction, fuck, that's cool too, you know? Uh, everybody's the boss of their own goddamn self. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You don't have to read about something. Did you like it? No. Who gives a shit if you fucking need to read about it? You didn't like it, you know? Sometimes I'll read something about, like, an artist and then go see their stuff. And it's like, cool, but didn't like it, you know? I think you would call that overhyped. Could be. I mean, it's all subjective, too. I was trying to bring it back to yesterday's conversation about hyped. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really. Well, nobody ever says... It's really underhyped. <laughs> it's always overhyped. It's it's either or, over, or nobody ever says that's hyped just enough. <laughs> over, it's either overhyped or underappreciated, or yeah, 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 yeah. or you know, like yeah, usually underappreciated or yeah, underestimated or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. there you go, there you go, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, the the Moriyama exhibit was really cool. It's at CO. Fantastic. It's at CO Berlin, which is uh, my favorite place to see photography in Berlin because it's, it's uh, amazing beautiful gallery and um there were so many images he was so prolific in how much output he did that i'd never seen so many individual images displayed like that in a, in a photography exhibition before i thought it was really really cool okay 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 cool because that led me to something else i want to ask you about because we've talked about this before so i already know your response but i think it's a valid question of there is the photographer who has the camera that's just constantly got the finger on the shutter, just taking pictures constantly. And their art is to pick and choose out of everything, uh, like the thousand photographs that they have, like, which is the one. And there's people who spend the time and manipulation setting the scene and making sure everything's perfect. And they wait till they can get that one perfect photograph. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I think there's a couple factors in there as well. Because, for example, if you are a wildlife photographer, 
and you are working for National Geographic and you're on a two-month mission to find the snow leopard, the moment the snow leopard... Oh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, I never saw it. What? You got to watch that because you just walked right into it. Oh, okay. Well... But okay, okay, okay. Anyway, anyway. So, you know, if you are, you know, on assignment and you've, you're trying to capture the perfect image of the moment the snow leopard, like, leaves its cave or whatever and it's going sean penn <laughs> yeah, i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but you might have to be in a situation where you're posted up you know 100 yards away with a telephoto lens and you have to take a thousand pictures on a blast to make sure that you've captured that one moment uh, because sean penn just sits there and he took one picture and that's the one. Yeah. I you know mean, what I mean? He's just waiting. And the snow leopard kind of does his thing. Just He only sees it for like a split second. Yeah. But out of that split second, he has like a, a, even a fraction of a split second. Take the perfect one. He's like, and done. Boom. I'm out. Sure. It's like, what the fuck? Okay, gotcha. That's cool. You know. Great movie. Great movie. You should see it. It kind of It kind of depends on the context of what you're shooting. If I'm doing photography, I find it not so helpful to be blasting the hell out of a subject and running around with it because, A, particularly if I'm shooting film, it's wasteful. Okay. And it's going to be expensive. Okay. Um, part good, of the, Very I, good point. And I think when I shoot analog, I'm a lot more careful because it is so expensive and because right. there's a limited amount of shots. Oh, so, oh we'll talk about digital versus analog yeah. in a so hot minute. If I'm shooting analog, I'm going to spend... A great deal of time on each image trying to get as close as i can to what i think is like the right moment mm -hmm. and i might sit there and wait and then fire mm -hmm. you know digital allows you to be a lot more uh egalitarian with this stuff but i feel like if you shoot a thousand pictures of something there's going to be this sort of law of diminishing returns thing that happens where You've shot so many images that you're not really focusing on a single composition anymore. Okay. You're almost playing the lottery with, you know, well, if I just hit put this on blast and I just shoot as much as possible, then one of them is going to be perfect. But that's the thing. It's like one of them can be perfect if you slow down, take a deep breath and take the time to make it perfect. I'm 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 not trying to argue with you, but my response from my field of art is thinking about Asian brushwork, brush pen, ink, ink and brushwork. Mm -hmm. to, uh, and I and I studied it in 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 university, and you'll see the, these ink and brush paintings, but he's Asian masters, where it's a a bird in the sky, for instance, mm -hmm. made of two brush strokes just two and you look at it and you go that is fucking perfect like you can't like how did they do that with just like i will agonize over something like that with pencils or or even brushes just make it and they just shh, with two how the fuck did they do that and the, and the instructor will say they did a hundred thousand times that exact same thing until they could do it perfectly with just two brush strokes. Mm -hmm. 
know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just back ending what you said by by thinking about it and saying, yeah, but there is the thing of doing it so many times that you can do it without thinking about. I don't know. There's 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 there, there's a caveat there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though, and that's those masters were doing the same image uh -huh. over and over and over again. Huh. Taking a thousand photos of the same thing, but moving around and trying to get a different exposure, or trying to get a different, that's two totally different things. Okay. Even if you're taking the picture of the okay. same thing, because okay. the master is trying to perfectly recreate something over and over and over again to the point where they can do it without even thinking about it. Right. This is a little different because okay. there has to be this intent behind every image. And I have a hard time believing that if you take 200 photos in like the span of 20 seconds of like an apple on a table, that all 200 of those images have the same dedication, concentration, and amount of intent in them. I think it's humanly impossible to do that. Okay, I'm agreeing with you because why wouldn't you just put a uh, video camera on an apple on the table, walk around, walk off for 24 hours while the while the light is shifting in the room, and then come back and go, mm, I like this one, cool. What the fuck was your intent on that? Yeah, it was process. There was no process. Yeah, you ate a sandwich <laughs> without an apple. It's processor, right? God damn it! Where was my fruit dessert? Speaking of fruit dessert, I think we deserve a cigarette. Perfect transition. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. I, and we're breaking. Yeah. Cool. And we're back. And we're back. We're all smoked up. Smoked up and nowhere to go. So, uh, where were we at with photography? What is, what is photography now in, in today's day and age of society? Mm. <laughs> that's a dumb way of putting it, but sometimes I talk like a movie poster. That's, a, that's kind of a loaded question because it's so integral in so many things. Like, everyone has a super high-resolution camera on their person now. So, the amount of photos that are being taken in our day-to-day -day society is like so exponentially greater than where we were even five, 10 years ago. There are so many photos being taken every second. If you walk around, you go to a concert, what do you see? You just see a bunch of phones in the air. You see people taking videos, taking pictures. You walk outside, people are taking selfies, asking people to take selfies of them. I mean, it's like, Photography went from being this kind of... If you take a selfie of someone, it's not a selfie. No, for someone. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, well, there should be a new word for that. When you ask someone to take a selfie for you... It's not a selfie. Then it's, it's, just, uh, a it's just a photograph. Photo <laughs> Do you know the ussy? <laughs> if it's not yourself, you're with another person, it's called an ussy. No. That's it. Oh, that's terrible. Sorry, don't mean to blow your mind. Oh, that's terrible. But yeah, there, 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 there's more photographs being taken now than ever before, and it's just gonna keep getting more and more. And and and, but what what, what does that say about our society? You know, what is is there a is there a judgment you can put on society, or is there a, a you know a 
whatever you want to say about society that you use. I mean, what, it, what, it, what do you got? There's a couple implications. One Implica- That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. There's a few implications. One is that now we have to spend every day kind of constantly barrage, in a barrage of images mm-hmm. and also taking them. So there's a lot of people's time now is sort of focused around taking pictures. A lot of it is sort of generated by social media. People are wanting to, you know, upload their, their Insta. They, they're doing stuff on TikTok. You know, those, that's more video content, but you know, it's still video is basically just, you know, moving pictures anyways. <clears throat> so there's like the, that societal implication. The other implication that I think a lot of people don't think about is that there's an environmental consequence to all of this. And that is the amount of hardware infrastructure that is required to house this infinite amount of data that we are loading up. You know, you look, you try to do the count on your phone and see how many pictures you have. Some people have like 30,000 pictures on their phone, you know. Yeah, sometimes I wonder when I'm going to run out of space on my... You used to run out of space on yeah. your phone. Now, fuck, I have like yeah. thousands of thousands of pictures it's like when, when, when is my camera gonna say or my phone gonna say like you need to delete some photographs yeah but yeah. i mean now we're uploading things to a cloud so your mm-hmm. device isn't getting full but right. just because it's called the cloud doesn't mean it exists in the sky you know and there, there's some big re- repository up in a fucking cloud where all of our images are being sent there's a physical there's a physical cloud. physical server that is housing this data and server like warehouse structures that are just full of servers, server banks. Amazon and Google are the two corporations that pretty much operate the largesse of all of the data housing in the world. Amazon, okay. I think probably more than Google at this point. When you have all of these machines... So the, the cloud that, is not an actual, literal cloud. No. No, it's not. Because, I mean, they call it the cloud, and then it, it disappears into the middle, and, uh, and, and you think, like, okay, cool, it's, it's, up, in the, it's up in the cloud with the clouds. Yeah. And just, but, but, know, cool. but where's that data? Is it in a satellite in space? Like, it, it has to be stored somewhere. Okay. There's a physical limitation so I never to this thought, tech. I never thought about that. There is inevitably a physical limitation to this stuff. And I mean, it's funny to me that everybody really freaked out about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology with this stuff. They're like, well, think about the environmental you know, ramifications of having all these servers processing all these transactions. And it is true. It's just something that we should think about. But why don't people have the same kind of alarmist worry about data storage? Is there an ecological factor about the amount of space that is needed for this data storage? I mean, is it threatening polar bears? Is it that much of a land mass of this these storage units that it is affecting? You tell me. I'm not. I'm not trying to accuse you. Well, of the, the problem is that we don't have a lot of information. We okay. don't know how but much this, energy this, it takes to run. This, this is the information era. So why yeah. don't we know? Maybe that information exists out there. I haven't come across it yet. Have you actually Googled it? What they tell you? 
if you Googled it. <laughs> when it's Google. So that's kind of like where we're at with photography right now. Is well, that's, that's one, using that's, up too much fucking space in, 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 in our land and in our minds and in our social interaction and all that. It's just, it's too much. It's taking yeah. up too much fucking space in our collective consciousness. Sure. Think about maybe you're sitting at a bar with your friends and there's like a pause in conversation and you look up and then seven people are on their phones. Yeah. You know, what are they doing? They're looking at pictures of other people. They're uploading pictures of things that they just did. So there is this. Or they're, or they're editing those pictures. And it's mm -hmm. not always just the, the taking of the pictures that's taking up people's attention. It's also the sitting down and editing that picture, you know? It's, yeah. It's a fucking law. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. And, and I oh. think one thing that I've been starting to see more of is that people are just getting burned out and, yeah, yeah, and people yeah. want to like experience stuff again and they want to yeah. like just talk with people and they want to go to a show and not have to look at someone's fucking phone in front of them you know they want to see a band and like have a beer and hang out and be in the moment and maybe what's so ironic about the social media thing is like you know capture that moment and then put it out for the whole world to see and then everyone will know that you are in that moment right but in the process of doing that you've kind of taken yourself out of the rest of the moments and when know? every single person on the planet has done it nobody gives a fuck about anybody else doing it anymore true you know um one thing i wanted to comment about real quick was uh i remember when you and i first went to prague in czech republic and we went to the astronomical clock mm -hmm. And that was actually when I was taking pictures. I, uh, you don't know this about me, but I used to take a lot of pictures. Until then, I knew that. And I, okay, maybe you did, but 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 I was that with was, you. I know, but that was the thing. As I took a picture of the astronomical clock, this was very specific, and this is a specific instance where I took the pictures because it was so amazing. And then I got the pictures developed, and I looked at the picture. I was like. What the fuck? It was so much fucking cooler in real life than looking at this picture. And I kind of threw away, I mean, this was before we had phones on cameras, but I threw away all the cameras I had. Not literally in the garbage, but, you know, just the, the figurative throwing away. And stopped really taking pictures of when I was traveling. It was like, I want to look at this with my eyes instead of through a fucking viewfinder. I want to see this and not see this as a possible picture it's like this is a potential it's this it's not a potential picture it's a realistic memory you know there's nothing potential about it i'm actually looking at this you know and 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 i think that yeah people are losing sight of what's right in front of their fucking face and is just paying way too much attention to what's on their phone and what's on the on the photograph. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, my my case is a little different because, like, you know, I have a background in photography and I studied it and I'm really passionate about it. I've cameras all over this place. Half this flat is basically just camera gear. Mm -hmm. We'll do we'll do a panorama at some point. <laughs> I, not right now. Camera, 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 camera. <laughs> you know, so I kind of have this balance I have to walk because when I go to a place I've never been, you better believe I'm going to have a small amount of cameras on me, not like an excessive amount, but you know, sometimes I'm spending a lot of time taking photos, but the way I at least justified this is that, you know, 
I'm kind of going back to my roots of analog work and the analog stuff to me has a very different in the moment feel than digital photography does. Okay. Because while I'm shooting analog, I'm not a hundred percent positive or certain that what I did is going to come out. I use my best judgment. I use the tools on the camera to inform me whether or not I'm doing right. I use my personal experience to kind of imagine this, but I don't have a surefire thing of capturing that moment. So I'm just doing my best. Right. But also shooting analog has kind of a meditative, cathartic, relaxing thing it does for me. It's like, it's like it allows me to kind of reconnect with my creativity and my past and my future at the same time. And for me, it's about finding beauty and composition and making sense of a world that's often very ugly and bleak and so photography is like temporarily for a moment opening a portal into an alternate dimension where things aren't terrible that's that's lovely lovely that that, that was that was that was an incredible way of putting it i, I think that's the best monologue you've done yet in uh, any of these hey thanks um, man so i'm gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna call that done on that portion and now i would like to ask you that is what it means to you but what is the future of photography where where, where are people gonna go with all this like when everybody has a fucking camera in their hand and everybody's taking a picture of the exact same thing and you have to watch a show a concert through the person in front of you's viewfinder because you can't see past it and it's like fuck it i'll just watch the concert through the goddamn viewfinder that they're holding up what what other choice do i have where, 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 where does all this lead us to? In my like dystopian forward-thinking mind, I kind of envision a world where we are just constantly, even if we're doing other tasks, have some sort of media feed going past our eyes all day long. Like 24 like seven Google glasses kind of shit. Something like this never stops. We're always looking at a video. We're always looking at an ad. There's always something. There's never a moment where you have like, you know, peace. That's my dystopian brain saying, you know, we're we're all fucked. Right, right, right. This is where we're going. I um, mean, if society lasts that long. You know. The more realistic side is that people are really losing the ability to be engaged and have attention into a singular focused thing. And what's happening with social media, at least, is that it's migrating more and more towards video and away from still photography. Yeah, I see that. Mm. So I kind of see video becoming the new photo. Or and, the new radio star. Or the, <laughs> I killed the radio star. I did that. Fuck, sorry, fucked it up. Um, Fun fact, did you know that Hans Zimmer, like the famous uh, movie composer who did like the soundtracks for Dune and um, Blade Runner and stuff, Hans Zimmer was in... The band Buggles that Which had the song video, video killed the radio star, and that was the first huh. video on MTV. That's and he's right. in the video. He's got like a leather jacket. Oh, uh, like okay, okay, okay. Um, I thought, well, I thought the 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 one band did the 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 uh, 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 soundtrack for Blade Runner. What was it Vangelis? That's it. That's okay. but that's the first Blade Runner movie. Ah. Gotcha. The second Blade Runner movie, uh, Hans Zimmer did the score. Uh, note to uh, our viewer uh, Zach. Um, Listen to the Blade Runner soundtrack. It's just 
probably the best to me the best sound one of the best movies ever but also one of the most listenable soundtracks synth synth masterpiece yeah i mean and i come from a punk metal hardcore background and it's it's a music that you wouldn't expect me to listen to or even appreciate or even give a fuck but man that's why i think anybody could listen to it and just go fuck yeah that that's that's amazing so this is this is this is our future uh overload of images and i think our brains are adapting to that overload and we're becoming like like uh, able to process an overload of images and input but i feel like that's taking away from our ability to like we've been talking about our ability to just enjoy the moment enjoy the silence enjoy the peace sit back relax and look at the grand canyon and go it's fucking beautiful instead of hmm uh, yeah okay how do i get myself in this oh, okay what hashtags do i use on this oh okay i'm gonna make a reel out of this how do i get you know uh cats in involved in the grand canyon <laughs> you know whatever whatever i think i think i think this is it's 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 uh, but but where does that lead i mean everybody knows that that's what's happening but where does that lead what what happens to the human race as it can't physically enjoy a singularity no not singularity because a photograph is a singularity but a, a a epic span of a moment as opposed to a singularity mm. what happens to humans i don't know i mean we're watching it in real time right now yeah, and yeah, it's true you know i i try to balance it out by reading by getting away from screens when i can you know going running kind of doing more things that in my day don't involve me having to like look at something you know right um uh, unfocus sure you yeah. know or just like giving your, yourself that break that mental break that you really need when you're so inundated with this stuff be the weird guy that doesn't look at your phone and just looks at what's happening in front of them yeah i mean it's and it's not a criticism of anybody who does it it's just a suggestion or advice to people to like just take a break from it every once in a while hey we're we're all we're all uh uh, have to use our phones for our day-to-day life and 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 careers and and all of that and it's not saying like Everybody should just throw away their phones right no, now and stupid. delete their Instagram yeah. accounts. And like eh, this whole like like uh, uh, anti dystopian is like yeah cool whatever you know go go live in a cave sure hey if that's what you want to do do that and everybody knows they need to take a break from their phone but I feel like this whole podcast today has just really been like a just a reaffirmation of man take a break from your phone for a minute. So we're done with this podcast, but down the phone, look at your partner, look at the sky, look at something that you don't intend to take a picture of and fucking appreciate the shit out of that, you know? Yeah, because we don't have that much time. No, time is, uh, yeah, time. Uh, It would be hypocritical for us to say, you know, oh, you know, all phones are bad. Uh, You know, social media is ill because we. (laughs) As we're putting out a podcast that people are listening to on their phones. Yeah. And we, we use social media 
Yeah, 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 exactly. In our daily lives to promote our work and to, you know, share our stories with the world and stuff. So oh. not saying that at all. But no, no, no. I think we as a society need to be careful about thinking about putting stuff into the world with intent and not just recording as much as we can and just throwing it up into the cloud mm-hmm. and just hoping for the best. Uh, we went to go see Susie perform in Amsterdam. Karina and I went uh, at the beginning. Susie and the Banshees. Uh, minus the Banshees. It's just Susie, Susie solo. Sue. But, but yeah, but she's, she's playing basically a whole Banshees Did set. Did she go by Susie Sue or just Susie? Well, her solo act is just Susie. Okay. Because she doesn't have the Banshees with her. But, but, but she also used to go by Susie Sue. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just Susie. The name of her solo band is Susie. S-I-O-U-X-S-E-I. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so uh, Susie at the show, and we all got notifications uh, from the venue. We saw it at the Paradiso in Amsterdam, which is just a beautiful venue. Okay. And we got a... I bet that was a fucking rad concert. It was amazing. Yeah, man. It was great. Um, we got a notification on our phone the day before, and it said, Susie is requesting that everybody keep their phones off for the show and to enjoy the concert in the moment. But also not to necessarily spoil it for other people who haven't seen it. Because the thing is, is like we've gotten so inundated with having to like capture every single moment of things that we're doing and throwing throwing them out there that we're also neglecting the people who maybe want to experience something fresh for the first time without previous bias. Right. And I think we also get into this weird territory of everyone feeling like they want to own a piece of something. So they take a video, they take a picture, they go to the Trevi Fountain and they stand there with their camera for like an hour. The what fountain? The Trevi Fountain. It's like this famous fountain in Rome that everybody okay, takes pictures okay. of. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that was in like a few movies. It's this weird kind of idea of having to own every moment that you're in and show to the world, hey, I own this moment. Look at me. I, I, you know, I was there. This is mine. This is, this is my mark on, on the world. And it's like, you can just experience stuff sometimes. You don't have to own every moment. You don't always have to leave a flag on the moon. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can just go to the fucking moon and enjoy it. Mm. I love that. That's it. That's it. I think we, I think we nailed it. I think, uh, I think Zach would appreciate this episode. Zach, for those of you who don't know, is a very good friend of ours and a former roommate as well. Speaking, speaking of Zach. Speaking of roommates. Speaking of roommates, oh, we just spoke about one, Zach, and we had Kyle, and we had Ben, and we had each other. Three times. And we had, did we live in three different houses? And we did. Yeah, we lived in the blood clot house. We lived in the uh, apartment off of Lakeview, and we lived in a retirement home. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Okay. Um well, I guess everybody knows where this is leading. We're we're trying to segue nicely into a uh, episode about roommates, which we kind of forecast in the lap last episode. A bit. We're, yeah. We were like, we're gonna do that. So yeah, now we're obviously like hitching up to that. But we're gonna do a live episode at the uh, Paris Hilton Hotel. No, not the Paris Hilton Hotel. We're Berlin doing, Hilton Hotel. No, we're doing a live podcast recording at. Hotel Selena or that's the Selena Hotel. It's the Selena Dion Hotel. That's what I said. 
It's an event curated by Podfest Berlin, yeah. and we're going to roll the dice and see if we can try to do a live podcast again. So yeah. wish us luck. We we didn't we didn't uh, actually post the last one because it came out so terribly because I got fucking blackout drunk at noon, which you'll do sometimes if you have to be live. Ugh. That's not my normal day to day. You know, I'm a, I'm a functional member of society. Uh, waiting for you to start laughing but i actually am um so stay tuned because you might just uh hear a live episode recorded edited and then put out later so is it live or is it record i don't know it's a live recording it's a live recording it won't be broadcast live is that redundant uh, no oxymoron no because it's a live recording in front of an audience yeah, but if you're editing it, then it's not really so live, is it? Well, I think this episode won't be so edited. I know. I'm I'm trying to push the Actually, boundaries too hard. Maybe the name of this next episode is We Can't Edit. We that can't. Out. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Stay tuned for uh episode six of season two. We can't edit that out. And maybe we'll have more sponsors. And hey, or a uh, sponsor. Hey, oh, more than uh, uh, <laughs> okay we're just gonna laugh and say hey uh uh i forget to say this all the time and rob does too but please please uh, uh like our podcast and write a review and and give us a good good follow-up because uh it really helps us out and and uh, helps us keep going we really appreciate it absolutely yeah so zach come on yeah do you do you. I, th- I, th- I think uh, uh <laughs> one day we will interview zach because I think at this point, he's he's like the We Can Edit Out legend. People who've never met yeah. him are like listening to the podcast, just like, who is this? Who Zach? is this Zach? It's like waiting for Godot, waiting for Zachary Alexander. Who is this? <laughs> what are they talking about? Is it an analogy for God? Could be. <laughs> All right, anyway. Till next time. Till next time. Ciao. Ciao. We can end that out! We can end that out!